What does it mean to live with less stuff and more compassion? That's the question we aim to answer every week on the Minimalist Vegan Podcast. Hello, my name is Michael and I'm joined by my wife, Marsha, every week to discuss the intersection of minimalism and veganism, in addition to weekly articles and recipes, all of which you can find on theminimalistvegan.com. In this episode, we're talking about the challenges and the benefits of being connected to nature. It's something you hear about all the time that we should be more immersed in our natural environment. And maybe this is already happening for you. Maybe that's been your natural upbringing. But for many of us, technology has removed us from what it's like to be in nature. And quite often we have to fight for those experiences. As you guys may or may not know, we recently moved to the country and we've got a few things that we want to share from our experience so far in, in that journey in reconnecting with nature. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll check in after the conversation to fill in any gaps. Are you ready to go? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I thought you were going to say, I'm always ready, Marsha. <laughs> okay. I'm always ready for this. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> and welcome to the Minimal Speaking Podcast. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about how connected to nature are you? We tried to record this podcast, uh, what, a month or two ago? Yeah. When we were still living in Canberra. And... Uh, epic fail. Yeah. Well, not an epic fail, but it was a fail. Yeah. Because we felt like it wasn't really the right time for us to be talking about this topic. We've been living out in the country for a few weeks now. Yep. And we feel like we're experts at this topic. <laughs> yeah, we... Not really. No, we're but not. We but have, we have experience and it's actually nice to talk about it while it's still fresh so that we can draw a direct comparison between the two lifestyles. Yeah, and process, just process what's going on. Yeah. yeah. So we thought this would be the right time to do it and to share with you some of the benefits and the challenges of establishing a relationship with our natural environment. Yep. So to kick it all off, we thought we'd begin with the evolution of mankind. Not to go into too much detail, but I just think it's important to, you know, just look at how we used to interact with nature in terms of how we were able to tell the time of the day just by looking at the sun or the moon. Um, and, you know, we, we learned how to eat things in the wild, um, what was poisonous and what was safe to consume. The the the. It'd be a very quick way of finding that one out. Exactly, <laughs> um, we ate only when we needed to. Yeah, you know, there wasn't this excessive amount of eating. Um, like whoever who made up the idea of eating three times a day, you know what I mean? Like it, mm. we just ate when we needed to eat. The the shelter we had was more sustainable, more integrated with nature. Or when we had food to eat, sometimes people ate more because they knew that they wouldn't have food for another couple of days. Exactly right. So. Um, you know, we didn't have shoes. Clothing, when it um, came to be, was just purely a necessity for to deal with different environmental conditions. Um, and if someone was to take a step back and look at objectively at how we used to live, you know, there there wasn't this great separation between humans and nature that mm. we see today. 
mm. in advanced society. It was really humans and animals and nature were on the same level playing field. Uh, and we all sort of lived together. So it's really interesting to see that that's the way it all began and where it is today. And it's interesting to see where we are today because, you know, humans are obviously gifted with very large brains, which we could we could probably do much better of using our, our gifts of being able to process information. But I think we learned how to adjust and manipulate and plan around nature. And, you know, that's when things like clothing and shoes and stronger shelter um, came to be. We started to print money. You know, we started to evolve what an exchange of value was. We obviously birthed capitalism and the ability to, um, you know, make money off products mm. and goods and services. So all of these things influenced nature. And then, of course, technology came along and really drew the line drew the line in terms of that separation with nature. Uh, and and I just think it's it's really interesting to now just think about how we live right now. And not to say that this is everyone's experience, um, because I know there's some of you listening to this who grew up mm. in environments or you grew up in a rural area or on a farm where that's all you knew, yeah. right? Um, but I think we're more... It's like what, what the norm is. You know, everyone's got different norms. If you, if you were raised or born a vegan, that's all you know. Yes. So it's different for, for everybody. Absolutely. But I mean, for us, I mean, we're talking about you know, basically a lifetime of living in suburbia. Yeah. And um, we just want to, I suppose we just want to talk frankly about how our evolution as humans has really created a bridge between ourselves and experiencing the nature around us mm. and the recognition of that. And yeah, and I feel like every year that goes, there's more and more information coming out. And, you know, we just recently watched a documentary um, that talked about animal agriculture and what that's doing to our planet. And this was the first time that I saw direct visual link with what cattle ranching and farming is doing to the Amazon forest. Before you kind of think, oh, well, you see these infographics or animations of what that's doing, but you don't actually... You can't piece it together because mm. you haven't seen it, not firsthand, but you just haven't seen it. And so it was really eye-opening to see that it that's exactly what's happening. You know, we're clearing pretty much our planet's lungs to grow meat mm. to feed humans. And we're wiping out different parts of the animal kingdom that plays a vital role. And we do that with when we spray pesticides and herbicides and all of those things. And I think a lot of people lose that natural connection to realize what their even everyday actions might be doing to be wiping out certain things. Like we all know that if bees disappear, we're all kind of screwed. Yeah. But there are so many other insects that we're wiping out every single day that we're never going to get back Yeah. because of certain things that we're doing. We're also depleting all of the ocean of fish and any type of sea animals. I think it's predicted by 2048 that there'll be no fish left in the ocean. 
Yeah, like I didn't realise that we'll pulling out sardines and anchovies out of the ocean yeah. to turn that into feed for cows. Yeah. So we're, we're taking animals out of the ocean, which is food for like some of the most beautiful penguins in the world for their survival. So this is in, I think it was South Africa. Yeah, South Africa. Yeah. Um, we're taking the fish out of the ocean, taking away from the penguins. And then we're you feeding feed it to other another animals. animal, which then we eat that animal. Yeah. Uh, so this particular type of penguin is going extinct. I think there's only 15,000 left. The parents are abandoning their nest because they can't feed them. And so they feed. they're babies. Then obviously with human intervention, they take those babies and they hand feed them. But without that intervention those babies would die. Yeah. So that's just one example of things that are sort of kind of backwards, really. Yeah. And how as a human Biodiversity race, is falling apart. Yep. We're going in the opposite direction. You know, if we find bugs in our vegetables, we're grossed out by that. Yet it's nice to see that it's in there because that means that it hasn't been sprayed with chemicals because if the bug's eating it, then you know that it's safer to consume. So there's all of these things going on. We don't want to go too far down this path, but I think we realised at some point, especially coming into this environment that we're in, that we recognise that we're pretty far disconnected from nature or we have been until this point. There's so many different shows on television, uh, you know, David Attenborough's, got so many different documentaries on the animal kingdom and the natural world and you've you've got you know like I love watching escape to the country or escape from the city because you get to see a lot of English and Australian countryside that you wouldn't otherwise see and I love just peeking inside people's homes I think that's really fun and you've got tv shows I don't know if Bear Grylls I don't think he's still on tv anymore but he was very big as well teaching you how to survive in extreme weather and nature and those type of scenarios so we do have that but it's all through a screen yeah and i think this is a this is pretty popular content isn't it yeah like we spend quite a lot of time obsessing over nature but not being in nature right so we're consuming content about you know, I don't know. Growing up, I just loved learning about wildlife. Mm. You know, uh, about um, different types of whales or different types of wild cats or monkeys, and I just thought it was fascinating to learn about the world around us. Um, but it was clear that I was consuming information about information about nature, but lacked the experience mm. of being in it. So, um, and and also with this sheer volume of information that we have available at our fingertips, um, I think that can really start to shape our perspective and perhaps put up even more barriers to participate in nature. You'll think it would be the opposite, um, but that can create a bit of fear and anxiety. Yeah, and I mean, like, I'm definitely a prime example of that. I sometimes feel that the more I find out about something, the more I'm petrified of it. And not even just the fact that we've become scared of nature, we've also, you know, we're losing valuable skills as a as a result of that. Do you think that people are just really bored when it comes to 
spending time outdoors? Um, no, I look, I'm, I think it's hard for me to say because I know a lot of people that love spending time outdoors and love mm-hmm. being immersed in nature. But I also know a lot of people who just would rather not right, yeah. and avoid it altogether. Um, but I do think that technology is posing a problem because technology is so stimulating. Yeah. Um, and in our busy lives where we associate technology with downtime, mm. you know, being able to, you know, consume a Netflix show or YouTube or social media. Disconnect um, by connecting. Yeah, disconnect <laughs> by connecting that uh, what used to be going and exploring nature is now kind of been replaced by technology. Mm. And because technology is so stimulating, I do feel that that has certainly had an impact on our experience in nature so when we're out in nature and um, there's not much happening for example and uh, like there's you're not immersed in an activity in nature um, whether that might be hiking whitewater rafting or mountain climbing or something like that where you're fully engaged if you're just to just be just to stand in nature or swim in nature it might not have the same uh, stimulation right so all of a sudden what used to be a really interesting sort of experience is not as interesting but at the same time we talk to most children they still love being in nature right and the fascination of the things that you find in it as well um, but I do think technology is playing a role but do you think that that's up until a certain age like they're fascinated by it because they're quite young and you know once they start paying more attention to technology that kind of you know once they sort of hit those teenage years they tend to disconnect much more yeah i I think i definitely think that technology and wanting to be accepted socially in the online environment kind of takes priority Mm. i mean we certainly didn't grow up experiencing camping or we didn't grow up in the countryside. So we, we've been quite disconnected, as you said, like we've grown up in suburbia. But it's interesting that later on in life, we're sort of seeking, and I mean, we're only in our early 30s and we're seeking that connection back to nature and and seeing what we've kind of missed out on a little bit up until this point. Yeah, I think so, because, I mean, if you look at our daily routines in suburban life, uh, whether we're working in our business full-time or we had day jobs, the routine would very much centre around being indoors for work. Yeah. And then, um, you know, the commitment of walking our dog twice a day, mm. which would often share that responsibility. So we'll go for a walk each a day. Yeah. I suppose our experience with nature would be just walking around a suburb right which is just uh really well organized where we lived anyway really well organized paths yeah and um parks and structured nature structured nature yeah right where man-made ponds yeah and and (laughs) even in the most scenic locations we're still next to a highway of cars passing by yeah um and surrounded by dwellings and houses Mm. right so that was a day-to-day experience of nature. Now, the other thing is if we had the opportunity to uh, get away, right, to go on holidays, mm. and maybe many of you can re- relate to this, but 
you know, you have a few different options in terms of what type of holiday you want, right? You can go have a really relaxing holiday or you can go have an adventurous holiday or a romantic holiday or just with the family uh, with lots of fun activities planned. And um, for us, or, you know, being very passionate about food, a lot of our holidays would be based around what type of vegan food could we go get or... Um, for many people, I know this might be going to watch a comedy show or staying at a five-star hotel or experiencing a bit of luxury, right? Um, and I think for us, like sometimes, but we would rarely, those times in Europe and things like that, where we would seek an experience in nature, yeah, like hiking in beautiful mountains or something like that, Mm. but it was never priority, priority, right? So with all of these realizations, and understanding that nature has so much to give and, you know, like that's that's kind of who we are as human beings. I think we definitely had something deep inside of us. We were like, oh, my God, we need to get out of this bubble, if you like, and, and start to really see what this feels like, challenge our comfort zone. Yeah. Um, which led us to, you know, moving to a, a cottage in the middle of nowhere in Tasmania. And so as we clarified, we've been here, what, two and a half weeks? Yep. And... Was that everything you expected it to be? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's in terms of the nature, I actually think it's been better than what I expected. Yeah. Like, it, it is just insane, the fact that I'm sitting here recording this podcast and I'm going from a basement to now looking at mountain range, a forest, uh, fruits... An apple an orchard. Apple, an <laughs> apple orchard. Like, uh, it's just absolutely incredible. And I know not... Um, everybody is going to have this experience on a permanent basis, but um, it's just night and day in terms of, mm. of that. Now now we've gone from walking our dog in on these really well-structured nature to an actual forest. So it's just everything has changed. Like, you know, we've got those tire, you know, those tire swings. Is that what they're called? I believe so. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> like you've got the rope attached to the tire, like an old tire hanging from a tree branch. Mm. And um, I'd been eyeing it down for like five days. I'm like, oh, I've got to go swing on that. When you don't have Chewy with you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so then we all went for a walk together. I'm like, okay, it's my time. And uh, Marshall watched me struggle to get on it, to mount this tire and to swing on it. This 32-year-old, almost 32-year-old grown man trying to reconnect with nature and struggling. Um, it was hilarious, but it's like, this is the reality. There's, you know, there's a tree house um there's two tree houses on this property like there's there's this there's wallabies bouncing around like jurassic park you don't even know what what's happening like you just see the bushes rustling and, and then, then they just jump and then out. you've got these wallabies ba- bouncing around it's like it's incredible mm. um you know we've got kookaburras we've gone from all these different types of birds in suburbia and chirping away singing to us every morning so um yeah it's been different like even just driving in you know i'm used to suburban life where you're you to get home you it's all on these really well organized roads and a few left and right turns and you're, you're in but to get to this property like you're going into the woods you know what i mean so just you're literally like, driving on a path that's in the forest yeah so it's just it's very different but it's so beautiful it is incredible <laughs> it's gorgeous and then you hear the frogs at night time as well. Yes. Chirping in the background and yeah, it's interesting. Your senses are just sort of elevated, right? Mm. Your natural and senses. And just the, the fresh air. Like I sometimes just need to get out just to f- 
feel this beautiful fresh air that we have in the water. We have rainwater that we use every day. Yep. It's really nice. Yep. But obviously it comes with its challenges. And I've personally struggled just a little bit with allergies. My body's just not used to it. So I've been sneezing and blowing my nose more than normal. And then we have a lot of bugs that come and visit every day inside because we don't have fly screens on our windows. So they come in and hang out with us. Yep. Got little lizards that come inside and we don't have a problem with any of that. Yeah, and it, and it's just really interesting just to learn from the owner of this property. Um, he came here in his mid-20s about 30 years ago from Sydney and listening to him like, you know, this, this was nothing. There was no properties uh, on this farm, this piece of land that he bought. But he, you know, he used to set up a tent and bathe in the pond whilst he would by hand build his house here. Um, he's a carpenter by trade, but he would have friends help him out. But he'd build his house and consider where he's going to source water from the pond and running that line all, all, all the way himself. Like this, he's he's basically had a hand in everything that is on this property. Mm. You know, whether it's installing um, solar panels or getting gas or connecting the, the property to the, the mains for the electricity. And of course, growing all these beautiful fruit trees and vegetables. You know, his idea was to be self-sufficient by immersing himself in nature and building everything from scratch. He's far more connected to some of the things that we're talking about than we could ever imagine because of what he's been exposed to. And it's just the little things, right? Like you, you take for granted. We're so used to living in suburban life where you would have a garbage truck that will come over every week and collect your trash. Yeah. You know, over here, you're, you know, you're taking your trash yourself to the tip. And you're yeah. organizing that. So yeah. it gets you're you really... You're rubbish and you're recycling. Yeah, you're rubbish and recycling. Yeah. So you, you're really connected to to that as well, right? Mm-hmm. You've got the chicken coop where, you know, with this throw of our scraps in there for composting. It's just, it just brings everything to consciousness, right, in terms of what you're consuming. And since you're using gas for hot water and for cooking, you know, you're mindful of how much you're using that. Yes. And how much hot water you're using yep. and electricity with the lights and whatever you've got plugged in or the TV on in the background or just those little things you go, ah, okay, yep. I've got to be more aware. Yes. And how much water you're using because there's only so much rainfall that yes. happens, obviously much more than we're used to, but it's really nice and the water is just beautiful to drink as well. You know, even just the food that's grown here, a lot of that is then preserved as well for the cooler months so that you can have certain things all year around and and that's what that's what we all used to do once upon a time grow produce in the warmer months and then pickle them and ferment them and and jar them for the cooler months so that we would have a continued supply of yeah. of food yeah there's a lot of planning you need to to put in place with with the change in in seasons yeah yeah the other thing as well which has been a really nice challenge is the internet situation. Mm. So we use our mobile data. Yeah. And, you know, we've only got a certain amount of data on there per month and we're using prepaid again, which is nice. Yeah. We're very conscious of how much we're using every day. We don't do Netflix. We don't do YouTube. We're, if we do watch a video, we're very selective because we know how much data that's going to use. So it's like, is that a day's worth of work that we're about to use up yeah. in half an hour? Yeah. It's been really 
interesting, but I think it's been refreshing as well because we're tuning more into free-to-air television and Michael's kind of looking online at the TV guide just to get an idea of what's on and then we sort of plan around that and, you know, there's cooking shows and there's, as I mentioned before, Escape to the Country and movies and all that sort of stuff. So it, it kind of brings it back to that yeah, but day of, you know, before all of these... On demand. Yeah. Yeah, but I think what's really nice about it is that we're opening up our perspectives because there's not as much to choose from yeah. on free-to-air. Oh, yeah. So we're settling more for the type of content we consume, mm. um, which means it's different to what we probably would have chosen, Yeah. Uh, which is great, which means that we're watching more international films or... Um, we're watching more uh, with different unique TV shows because we're no longer, you know, spending 30 minutes trying to choose something, mm. having too much choice yeah, and trying to make the best decision. Yeah. Now we're just making a decision. And look, and even if there isn't anything on, then that's fine. We don't watch anything. We don't watch we anything. We do other things, yeah. you know. So yeah. it's interesting what you can do without when it's not there. Yeah. So it's, it's nice. It's a bit of a, a welcome change, I think. And, you know, are we more connected with nature now? I think we are. Yeah. We definitely are. And as I said before, it's only been two and a half weeks, but it kind of feels like we're in this for a decent amount of time to really immerse ourselves properly through different seasons and really get a feel for like, I can't wait to put the wood fire heating on and just enjoy it. For sure. Let's transition into talking about some of the challenges of being in nature. We've already touched on some of the things like, you know, I've got allergies and, but then there's, we're just, we've been so far removed from it that I think we've, for me personally, it was a bit of a shell shock with certain things that I just wasn't maybe expecting or was deep down inside hoping that it wouldn't happen. Mm. You know, like seeing, a venomous snake just outside of our bedroom window and finding a tick on myself a couple of days ago and just all of these things that just kind of make you a little bit fearful. Like I find that I end up being quite fearful of being in nature because of what nature has to offer and what what it represents. Yeah. So it's definitely been a challenge and at times I've kind of almost wanted to put up my hands already and go, I can't do this. Mm. Because it's scary, like, you know, especially when you've got a little dog and it's hard to check him for ticks. You know, I just look at him and I feel kind of helpless Mm. to make sure that he's okay and that he's not, you know, getting injured or or hurt in any way because he's our responsibility. Yeah, it's there's definitely the the other side of nature, right? And and as you just talked about, I mean Within 24 hours, we experienced a scorpion in the house, two very big spiders, and a uh, highly venomous snake just outside our bedroom window. And uh, it was a lot to digest. Mm. Um, it was a lot to process and take in. Meanwhile, we've got these wasp things flying around, and then a quick Google search because the, the owner told us what they were uh, the night we moved in. But I don't. I think we're we too tired. We're we too tired process. to process what he was saying. Um, so we googled these things and. They're called a spider wasp. Uh, they've got a more specific name, but they're, they're widely known as a spider wasp. And uh, 
they're like these black wasps. They don't really attack humans, so they're they're okay. So they come into our house. They come into like our every house. Day. Yeah, heaps of them come. Yeah. In. Um, but at this time of the year, they're trying to reproduce, and and how they do that, um, is by finding large spiders, like huntsmen's. Um, they flap their wings in front of these huntsmen's, uh, to fool them into thinking that they're a bird. So the huntsmen would then go into plain dead mode and leave themselves susceptible for a sting. So the wasp will then sting them and paralyze these spiders, then create like this little mud nest near the spider, drag the spider into the mud nest, and then proceed to when Michael lay their first told eggs. me, now, let this, me, let me I was get, yeah. so grossed out. So lay the eggs in the abdomen of this spider. So that the larvae would then naturally eat their way out of this spider. And the larvae would intentionally leave the main organs to last to keep the spider as fresh as possible for when they consume it. And I'll let that sink in. I'm just like, what the heck? Like, what? (laughs) Where are we? (laughs) This is far removed from. from Canberra life. Oh, we've got one coming Let's to say hello right now. But Let me um, introduce myself yeah. to your audience, guys. <laughs> but um, it's just learning stuff like that. I mean, you know, the snake that was outside of our window was a tiger snake, which is one of three highly venomous snakes that exist in Tasmania. But it's just, yeah, it's just interesting. You know what I mean? It's like, these are the things we're fascinated by. You know, like if we're watching David Attenborough talk about these things, it's like, oh my God, are you serious? Look at this wasp on television. Yeah, on, on television. On television. <laughs> <laughs> Not in my backyard. Yeah, yeah. But, but then here we are like living with these things and it's like, you're right. You look around and you look at this beautiful nature and scenery and fresh air and fresh water, but it, you know, it, it comes with everything else. And not to say that there's an ugly side. It's just nature. It is. It just yeah. is. Everything has got a specific role that mm. they play mm. in biodiversity. Mm. And uh, this is what it is. This is actually what nature is. Yeah. Right. So it's easy to glorify it on Instagram and have aspiration for it and just purely being in nature so you can document it to say you've been in nature mm. and share it with your friends mm. and actually just being in nature mm. with all of its different sides. Mm. Um, so that's a big realization we're having now. But I think, you know, it's important to have this balance between knowing enough and knowing too much. Yeah. Like, I feel that at times I go into this bit of a spiral, and you do too. Mm. Like, I wouldn't have a clue what these <laughs> spider wasps were doing if you wouldn't have told me. Like, I, he, you know, Graham showed us, yeah. the guy that owns the property, he actually showed us a nest. Yeah. But I just thought that that was that there were dead spiders being accumulated in this little nest. Yeah. So I was like, okay, that seems relatively normal that they're gathering food for later. But the way that you described it to me for some reason sounded so much more horrific. Mm. It can easily and quickly build up a sense of fear of the natural world. Mm. And after I had that tick bite, I was petrified to go outside again. Mm. And... It just makes you feel like you want to be in nature, but you also don't want nature to want to be a part of you. Yeah, you want to feel safe. You know, as you well. want to feel safe. So I guess at the end of the day, like for us, it's just going to take time getting used to to nature and everything that it has to offer. Yep. 
I mean, even if it's been only two and a half weeks, we've already been exposed to a decent amount. Hmm. I mean, I'm just hoping that this is kind of everything. <laughs> well, yeah. In I a think nutshell. I think there'll be, there's more to come and we, you know, it's part of our development to learn how to embrace that, right? Yeah. And it's part of getting out of your comfort zone. And I think that's the beauty about nature. If you think about indigenous cultures and how they used to interact with nature, you know, there's this part comfort, part fear Mm. of every step of the way of, okay, what's that? Can I eat it? Can I not? Is that safe? Do I need to protect myself from that? Do Mm. I not? Like, where Mm. do I get? Like, there's all these different types of decisions and it's very instinctual. Yeah. And I think that's what we've lost as a result of being disconnected from nature is those mm. relying on those instincts and those yeah. senses yeah. to make better decisions. And then we can paralyze I mean, ourselves in fear as a result. But you also, when you see a snake, you yeah. you step away. Yeah, <laughs> you don't true. go, oh, what's that? True, true. <laughs> so, you gotta be, you got to be sensible. But look, I, I, I must admit, like I did imagine like coming here and walking around barefoot and these type of experiences like we see the owner walking around barefoot and but you know i mean he's been here 30 years he's been been here two and a half weeks yeah yeah (laughs) but i know but like now that i'm aware of some of the threats it's like that just doesn't seem practical for me to do yeah doesn't well and doesn't sound sensible the soles of his feet are obviously much thicker (laughs) and much more susceptible to things than ours are so i think you know it takes time for that to build up yeah definitely i think i'll i'll be happy when i stop just feeling this constant itch feeling like maybe there's something on me maybe i've got an itch you know sleeping at night being paranoid that there's something in bed Mm. but i think it's just gonna take time yeah and i mean if you're listening to this and you're a camper i think you've probably become pretty reasonably comfortable with that idea right Mm. of you know setting up a tent in the middle of nowhere and sort of just accepting what's around you and yeah obviously um, some parts are worse than others yeah exactly right you have to be smart about where you set up your tent and and even just how you attract insects with your with your lights and and your your fireplace or whatever but i just think that there's a lot of value in having those experiences i mean we we used to have friends that would say oh you should come camping with us like Well, we're not, we're not campers. You're, jo- you're yeah, joking. Yeah, you're right? joking. We're not camping. But now we can, now on hindsight, we can sort of see, oh, actually, you know, those are probably the type of experiences that we, you know, we could probably look to seek more of and, and which we'll touch on a bit later. Hmm. Why would someone want to be connected to nature? Yeah, and I think that's the first thing is, you know, we, we talked earlier in this episode about being more connected with nature and seeing the biodiversity and how everything works together, you would think that exposure will make us respect nature more, Mm. right? And try to limit our footprint or our impact to harm nature. So that's one benefit of being connected with nature is to protect it and to preserve it. Yeah. Um, Because if we're too disconnected, then there's not enough of incentive to protect it. Mm. The other part of nature that's attractive to a lot of people is the thrill of it, you know, the adventure. So being able to accomplish a goal, maybe that's running or hiking or climbing um, or some sort of extreme sports. Mm. um, And that is your relationship to nature. But I think when you remove the adventure and you remove the idea of protecting nature, well, what's left? Like what is what's going to pull somebody away from their iPhone 
and go into experience the, the natural environment. And I think... Without any devices or yeah, anything. Yeah, without any devices and, and just immerse yourself in it. And I think, it, you know, for me, it, since being here where we are, I've had moments of feeling incredibly re-energized by nature. Going out to the woods and just taking in all the sensory pleasures of being in that environment has helped to give me so much more energy. It's given me space. It's given me slowness. You know, sometimes Marshall would just see me now just out in the front porch, just like sitting there, contemplating. And that's literally <laughs> what I wanted to do. I wanted to come to Tasmania to contemplate because, I, you know, it's as extreme as that sounds, but I wanted that opportunity um, to be able to recharge that way. And, and I think nothing beats nature to, to be able to do that. Like even, and being able to swim in nature and sort of just float there and just enjoy it. These are the simple pleasures that are just there. Yeah. And often for free. Yeah. So I think those are some reasons why I think it's worth pursuing this goal of being with nature. And I think you just feel more connected and I think you start to understand yourself a little bit better as well as yeah. a human and your role on this planet. Yeah. By being in nature, I think that's fundamentally and as you said, it gives you energy. You feel it much more. Yeah. I think you're vibrating. I think it just aligns your vibration with everything else that's around you, whether that's wildlife, plants, water, air. It just brings everything to balance. So I guess if you want to get connected to nature, but you don't have access to it on a daily basis like we do here, and we're not suggesting that everyone goes out and lives mm. out in the bush. No, no, no. Um, we've got some suggestions for you. So as Michael was saying before, like in terms of vacations or free time, you know, if you've got your weekends, pick to go out and do something in nature instead of going to shopping centers or going shopping to the movies, all of these indoor activities just going to for a coffee choose to go you know hiking in the woods or camping caravanning you know find an airbnb out in the country mm. go for a swim in a river rather than a pool go to events that are held out on farms or out in the wilderness where you can go to apple picking days or to farm tours things like that i mean for us where we grew up in canberra you could, within an hour's drive, you could go to multiple different places that you would have access to that. Yeah. So it's, unless you're really living in the middle of a busy city, I think it would still probably only take you an hour or two to get out yeah. into nature. So um, it shouldn't be too difficult to do. You obviously just need to plan it a little bit more yeah. rather than just default to what you're used to doing. Yeah. Not only are you going to be exposed to nature and feel that sort of energy that you get from it, but you'll create some amazing experiences and memories for yourself and the people that you're with. If I think back to the things that I remember the most that I have fond memories of, most of them are actually in nature, mm. you know, with beautiful scenic views and just... For me, though, I've always enjoyed those type of things. You, you especially love, yeah, berry picking. <laughs> you, you are obsessed with. Oh, just picking anything. Picking, yeah. like if you give if me you... things to pick, <laughs> I will do it. <laughs> with a basket, and yeah, no, you, you really love, love that. 
I also I like the aesthetic of it, let's be honest. Yeah, you do but like the aesthetic. But I do, I do enjoy it because I really appreciate and respect organic produce too. Yep. So that's, you know, a big part of my life and um, it's actually been really wonderful to live out here to be able to do that sometimes. Like we've got to deal with the owner that, you know, if we use any of his produce, he gets half of what we make. So I've been making mulberry and apple crumbles because it's got a massive mulberry tree. Oh my god, that was so sweet. That's the first so time I delicious. Ex- I couldn't believe what was happening in my mouth. <laughs> An explosion of sweetness. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and as we mentioned earlier, he's got an apple orchard, so he's already starting to pick apples and so we're kind of getting the juicing apples and I'm making apple pie with it and he gave me some black currants a couple of weeks ago, so I made some jam. And um, last week I did silver beet recipes or Swiss chard or chard or whatever you want to call it. Um, And I made a particularly that we shared with him because we harvested some silver beet out of his garden, a silver beet and potato creamy soup. And he loved it and he made a joke of, well, there wasn't enough of it. So I'm going to make some more tomorrow (laughs) when it cools down as well a little bit. So it's been really nice to kind of do that sort of bartering exchange. And, you know, he's given us zucchinis and other things as well as, you know, when we first came here, he gave us a few peaches as a welcome. So it's been really lovely to work with produce straight from, you know, your front door as well. Yeah. And we're going to plant some more leafy greens because that's what we've discovered we have a hard time getting a hold of. So he's actually put a, a patch of, of uh, land aside for us to grow some of our own leafy greens as well, which is awesome. So I think it's, you know, it's in, in that front, it's been pretty, pretty great. And I've enjoyed that side of things, I think, the most and waking up to these amazing views, obviously. And looking at his property, I've also Instagram pictures of the beautiful view that we have that uh, our dog Chewy loves to stare out yep. and onto yeah. the property every day. Yeah, and I've got my eye on already some of the the autumn, well, fall, if you're in America, produce that we've got lined up. Yep. Which is exciting that I will be making lots more food with. So I think it's... Yeah, it's just really nice and I think everyone needs or should be able to experience something like this, even if it's just for a weekend and just really taking that fresh air or go camping. But I mean, if and the thing is though, for us, we've never been so enticed to do it because we didn't want to really invest all this money into gear and things that we probably thought we wouldn't enjoy. Yeah, I think yeah, I think you're like it's important like ease your way in to these experiences. Like you can start off with with maybe going to a cooking class on a farm. Paddock to plate without the animals, of course. Um but yeah, and and just sort of work your way in and obviously hiking is is normally quite available in most areas, um particularly where our audience is. So, I think there's some ways you can sort of ease your way in, but we're talking about camping with people that already have gear that are happy to to take to you share, along. To share, yeah. yeah. But I think it's just getting beyond like your park, yeah, like your neighborhood park, yeah, or your like. Sorry, guys, that's not really much of it. Yeah, or your your <laughs> neighborhood lake, or your neighborhood pond, or just like your super man-made infrastructures, yeah, um, that are around, um, and really trying to immerse yourself in nature. And I think the other really important thing is you're likely to know somebody who's grown up in a rural area 
And I think it's really, I think that's the really beneficial thing about connections with people is that you can share perspectives. So maybe it's about asking them questions about what their experience was like growing up mm. and what they learned because they would have come across a whole bunch of wildlife and threats and and diff- a completely different upbringing of their idea of fun yeah. than what you did, right? Yeah. And I think sharing those stories is going to be really healthy to expand your perspectives, but also to ask them for suggestions, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, Of how to embrace that type of lifestyle, even if it is just for a weekend. Yeah. Um, And and I think that's a really good way to get things going and and to learn more about each other as well. So Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, do you have anything else you want to add? I think it's a good spot to wrap it up. No, no. Look, this is a work in progress. This is, um, you know, I think... In the, you, we hear it all the time. Oh, we've got to get more connected with nature. Oh, you should go spend more time in nature. Oh, our kids should be in nature. Mm. You know, we should be playing in nature. Nature, 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 nature. But, you know, I think we just ha- wanted to have a frank conversation about, yes, that was our intent. These are some of the realistic struggles. And these are some actual benefits that we're getting out of it as well. Mm. And knowing that these experiences are take time. And time means it's competing with life. And life means internet, content consumption, work, kids, more work, you know, all of that stuff. So yeah. we have to fight really, really hard mm. and plan to have these experiences. Yeah. If we don't want to be so far removed from nature to mm. the point where we're just completely numbed by it and we don't even care, mm. we have to kind of fight for it. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't mean you need to go move to do that. Yeah. You can do it from wh- wherever you are. You just yeah. need to look for those opportunities. Yeah. And there definitely is yeah. some in most areas. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks so much for tuning in, guys. And we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. So there it is. Episode 47 of the Minimalist Vegan Podcast. How to get connected with nature. If you're interested in finding out some more about the things that we mentioned in this episode, you can check out our show notes, which is theminimalistvegan.com slash 047. That's theminimalistvegan.com slash 047. I'm curious. I mean, how connected to nature are you? Are you living suburban life and making time to be in our natural environment? Or are you one of those people that grew up in nature and swinging on on tires and playing in ponds and being in tree houses i uh, would love to hear about your experiences and perspectives drop us a line uh, via email info at the minimalistvegan.com or you can send us a message on instagram our handle is at the minimalist vegan if you haven't already would love your support to leave your rating or review of the minimalist vegan podcast it helps people discover this show And it lets us know that there's people out there listening and enjoying our content. Anyway, I'm going to leave it at that for this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your attention. We don't take it for granted. And here's to living with less stuff and more compassion. Peace.